The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. From the Philadelphia Eagles to the Kansas City Chiefs, a former University of Alabama standout, once known as the Mighty Mouse, Number 29, Mark McMillan. Hey, what's up, what's up, everybody? This is Hard Hitting Radio. Mark McMillan is out on the golf course for the charity event with some of the, uh, some ex-NFL players and stuff. Mark's always on the golf course. He's either, this is what I've concluded about Mark. He's either on the golf course, eating, on a plane, or talking about Alabama. That's all he does. He's an assistant. That is all he does. But guess what we're not going to talk that much about today? Okay, Alabama. Okay. <laughs> I'm on the air with uh, Gabe right now. Gabe is uh, uh, actually a part of the San Francisco Giants. And I've actually been – we've been trying to get on the air for a few weeks for this. Because sure. Gabe is actually the only person I know with two World Series rings. Well, and it comes in I think June, that's pretty but, amazing. Know, pretty much, yeah. We've actually come to the conclusion that you're probably the only person that any of us know with two World Series rings, except for Dan and his smart ass saying he's going to call Barry Zito. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm pretty much the only guy. So I, I noticed you got you got to take a leave, and you actually got to go to all the World Series games, um, starting off in San Francisco and stuff. What is that like being a part of the organization and just kind of walk through? those days from beginning to end and just how and what it was like. I, I was fortunate enough in, in 2010 to, to also attend all the games um, and have a guest with me. Um, it, it, it means so much to me personally, so much more than I think just any other person. Uh, I grew up a huge Giants fan. My dad brought me up a huge Giants fan. Um, you know, I grew up hearing stories of, you know, the Alou brothers, especially Felipe Alou, um, you know, and then, you know, as a kid, my walls were plastered in, in Will Clark posters. Um, so there's, there's a natural sense of joy in doing what I do um, because Will Clark is still a part of the organization. So, you know, during spring training and our instructional fall league, um, he comes down to help out. And so, you know, there I am having, you know, a cup of coffee or, or you know, lunch with Will Clark and, you know, we're just, you know, shooting it out. Um, that, that's, I, I used to have a Will the Thrill poster on my wall, sitting right next the to my Kirby pocket and my I, mean, I, I, I wish I was left-handed, so I could have had that that one hand off the bat high finish, that just that oh, natural yeah. loss that he did. Um, so, so that means a lot to me. And over the years, I've I've gone to know um, Felipe Lou pretty well too. Um, and so, uh, for this World Series, when the Giants sent me up, they actually sent me up for uh, for Game Six and Seven as soon as our fall instructional league. Um, was over. They invited me up to to San Francisco to to kind of be there for the whole thing, help out a little bit with with some small projects, but for the most part, um, just enjoy the series. Um, 
and for the world after we uh you know pulled the miraculous comeback on on St. Louis um you know they again invited me and a guest for the world series and obviously uh it's pretty pretty much a no brainer for me that that my dad was going to be my guest and um and so I told him you know take take 2 weeks off of work because I you know I want you here for for the whole ride with me um which to him is is just a tremendous sense of joy um, he's seen, you know, the sacrifices that I've made over the years, and, and he just takes a lot of pride in the fact that um, I've pursued my passions, and it's a, and just so happens to be a passion that that he shares, you know, that that he instilled in me. Um, so to get to have my dad there um, with uh, is pretty special. To have it be for the Giants, a team we've always rooted for, um, is tremendous. Um, and the Giants organization goes above and beyond in in how they take care. Um, of everybody, you know, obviously, you know, paying for the hotel, meals, um, you know, all the tickets, all the, the pre-game, pre-parties and, and after-parties. Um, and then they invited uh, me and my dad to travel with the team uh, on the charter to uh, to Detroit, put us up out there, you know, same thing, same spiel. Uh, and then, you know, us back on the team charter and then invited us to participate in the, in the World Series parade, which I got to do in 2010 as well. Um, but this time, you know, to, to have my dad, to get to watch my dad um, take it all in was, was probably the most fun part for me. It, I, I love this organization. Um, I have a tremendous sense of, of pride in, in enjoying them and then being able to share that with my dad, who's so responsible for so many of the things um, for me growing up and, and where I am. To get to watch him enjoy it um, just means the absolute world. I mean, I could not. If, had you asked me to uh, kind of dream up a scenario uh, ten years ago on how you know this ideal world would would break out, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have dreamt it this good. It's it's been it's it's, it's been an amazing ride, and and I uh, can't thank the Giants enough, and and uh, couldn't be happier, couldn't be prouder to to be where I'm at. You know, it was cool. I was I was following your 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 travels and stuff on on Facebook, sure, and, sure. Uh, and I was it was pretty fun to, to watch. You know, use social media as much as I could because I thought it was you know just a real unique and, and special experience that I'd love to to have those you know that I'm friends with to kind of you know kind of get to see it too. Well, you know that video you posted of of them right when they won it. That was that was so cool. Yeah, as much as I want to enjoy the moment, at the same time, it's just one of those unique moments and being able to be there, um, you know, to, to be able to capture that, you don't, you know, you don't get that opportunity many times. And, and so it's, it's kind of a, a unique um, opportunity. You know, it's really cool for me because, you know, you and I are really close friends. We yeah. both love sports, so we understand what, something like this means and to be able to have one of my good friends be able to experience I I, I think I was just as happy for you as you were to win it like and, I was and I'm not even a Giants fan I'm a Braves fan so we, li- <laughs> we, we live in misery so I just live through you vicariously as far as World Series goes people would be able to be able to do that that you know that's why I was kind of sharing it and, and putting it out there. I want to see, um, you know, have other people kind of kind of enjoy the ride with me a little bit. Did you did you ever in a, in a million years think that that was how the World Series was going to go, or did you think no. after that St. Louis Series, this, this no, no, not, actually... not at all. 
Um, I mean, obviously, you, you always feel confident in your team, and, and we always like what, what we bring to the table. You have to like um, how our team chemistry is and how we come together and how we're able to play small ball. And we knew the fact that um, the Tigers were pretty much given five days off um, and, and, you know, the playoffs tend to be um, whoever the hottest team is wins. We knew that would be a deterrent to them, but at the same time, it's still Verlander, uh, Scherzer, Anibal Sanchez, and, and um, uh, the uh, I forgot who their game two starter was. The guy from Seattle. Um, it, it, it's a killer. It's a killer pitching rotation that you have to Absolutely. go. Absolutely. You know, and then you got the triple crown winner. You know, something that hasn't been done in in thirty five, forty years. You know, you got Miguel Cabrera, you got Prince Fielder, who just signed a, a nine-year, you know, two hundred plus million dollar contract. Um, they have bats all over the place. That's not an easy team to play. And then you're going to have to play two, maybe three games at their place, which is freezing, which is such um, should play into their hands because I don't think any team is uh, ready to play in thirty-five degree weather. I mean, it was freezing out there. Absolutely. No, I mean, no. Yeah, I mean, that's not even point. baseball weather. Oh, it's not baseball weather. A- absolutely not. Um, but, uh, you know, but again, our team shows up. We're tough. And, and so we liked our chances. But in, in no world do we see that pitching rotation, that lineup, and go, oh, we're going to get through them in four. We got this. No, no way can you honestly say that. When you guys came into the beginning of the season, realistically, what – was the World Series on your mind? It seemed like that there were other teams in the NL that everybody was looking at, and it almost it almost seemed like you guys were overlooked at the beginning of the season. For us, the, the goal um, there's always the World Series in mind, right, but right. but I think the organization does a good job of, of thinking, you know what, let's win our division, let's get you know uh, let's put ourselves in good position in the playoffs, and. and you know, we've proven past that that we can get hot at the right time, and that we've got some pretty special people in our clubhouse um, and kind of get everybody on on the same page. Um, so our goal was really win the division, get into the playoffs strong, and and then you know see where the chips fall from there. Um, I don't know that you ever say World Series or bust, but uh, but we thought if we could get into the uh, into the playoffs with a with a healthy rotation, with a healthy team, we always like our chances. Like I said, especially with our rotation. Well, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're well aware down here, you know, the Diamondbacks seemed like one of the, the favorites going in and everybody down oh, here. Were. I mean, even they me, were. even me, I, I predicted that the Diamondbacks would go to the World Series. Everybody. And I believe I picked them to play Texas and Justin Upton would be the MVP. And that just shows how much I know about baseball. <laughs> sure. I mean, and, you know, that's why the game is played, you know, in, in TVs and not on paper. Exactly. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, the Diamondbacks had a lot going for them. Um, unfortunately for them, they you know they had to deal with some injuries and and a couple of the uh, the players that they had projected um, didn't have the seasons that they expected and and are capable of and, and you know but they still have a tremendous organization and tremendous team. Um, but you know we just stayed nice and nice and steady, showed up every day, took care of our business, um, you know, and 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 it showed uh, at the end of the season where we stood, you know. You know, I'm I'm excited for spring training this year. You know, now this will be either the second, second, third year that the that the D-backs are up here for their spring training, and now you guys 
have, you know, another World Series ring. And this, this town where we are, Scottsdale, just goes absolutely crazy with all the people that come to see the San Francisco Giants during spring training. Absolutely. I mean, this is such such a fun area um, during spring training. I, maybe not for me, just because I'm so caught up with work and, and just well, the right. chaos that's you, you going around. Enjoy too much of it, just but... for, for my friends out here in town and for everybody that, that comes in, um, I mean, Scottsdale alone is such a unique place and such a fun place with um, you know, just the nightlife, the golf courses, the you know, so much to do and great weather. Um, you throw in spring training baseball, and it's it's just an amazing time to be to be in this town. Well, do you, you know, do you, what do you think the Diamondbacks are going to do with Justin Upton? You know, they they have every right; they'd be right to to keep him. He's a tremendous talent at an affordable price, um, but they also. Uh, They've got some options. They've got some some spots that that they can fill where they could, you know, trade away uh, Justin if they saw the right deal and 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 plug plug a couple holes. I mean, they have some depth in the outfield. They can move some pieces around, um, yeah. and, and they've got an extremely attractive piece in, in Justin Upton. You know, and obviously we've all read the talks that are going on with with the Texas Rangers and, and a couple other teams involved. Um, where you know if, if the teams can kind of see eye to eye, they, you know the uh, the D backs might be able to pull in just a, a nice little hole for them. And I think I think that's what it's going to be for the Diamondbacks because I don't think one I don't know if they're going to be able to get what they want for him, and I think sure. they're waiting around for just that right absolute trade. And if they don't have it, they're just they're going to keep him they're going to keep him around. Absolutely, and, and you know hats off to, to Justin Upton for being able to. Um, handle this in a professional manner. It's not easy. I mean, this is not the first offseason that his name's been brought up. In no, not at all. You don't hear him come out at all and upset or bad-mouthing anybody. He just stays quiet and understands that this is part of the business, and, and so you have to tip your hat to the guy. And, and they're not looking to deal him because he's some sort of bad presence or because he's a disappointment. Um, he's, he's an asset. You know, he's an asset yeah. that could help the organization plug two, three holes, um, you know, and give up a position player where, where they have a little more depth where they could take the blow. Um, so so there's that side to it. Um, as far as, you know, the talk out there, you know, it does look like there's, you know, just a staring contest between Texas and, and Arizona on who's going to yeah. budge on, on the other one's wants. You know, and we'll see if it happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I'm pretty happy my Braves pulled in B.J. Upton. They signed him to a pretty big contract. I'd like to see him get his on-base percentage up. But I think that's a that's a good move for the Braves. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them pulling another Upton on the team, but and I don't think that's going to happen. It, it it makes sense, but uh, I don't. Uh, the piece that everybody gets the sense that Atlanta would have to give up to get him is yeah. Simons, and, and they're not going to give up Simons. So I mean that you know I, I think that with what call. happened last year with the Braves, and I really think that we're only one or two pieces away. From making a, a decent run into the World Series again. Absolutely. You know, I always I always tell my friends that are Philly fans, you know, that like keep bringing it up to me that they've, you know, they had won the division four times or whatever. I, I always have to remind them, hey, when you guys can do that for 14 straight years, then come talk to me. But right now we're just loaning it out and we're going to take it back. Sure, and, and you know. I don't think Atlanta, Atlanta's in very good position right now. They've, they've got a great roster. They've got a great and young pitching staff. Um, 
right now. They're in fantastic position. I don't think they should feel rushed um, to make any big splash. You know, getting BJ was, was a fantastic move for them, and, and even though Justin would help, um, you still have to be aware of the big picture of Right, exactly. Uh, you know, as much as BJ brings to the table, um, maybe the contact rate isn't where you'd like it to be, isn't ideal, and, and sometimes Justin can call can fall into the same um, struggles as, as his brother and, and, you know, miss a few balls here and there. So it, it'd be tough to uh, to give up a lot, to pay a big price, to have, you know, your, you know, two of your three, four, five hitters, um, you know, just having the, the high strikeout total. So, you know, maybe maybe the Braves don't see that it makes sense for them, but, uh, you know. No, it's, I think it's, to look it's at more it. of a dream on my side, but I, I like where they're at because now it gives them a bat in that lineup around around Jason Hayward that I think that they need, oh, you know. Sure. because sure, But I, the Giants have proven that, that it doesn't have to be a thumper. You know, exactly. you can just go find a guy who's going to hit 280, 290 for you um, who can get the job done. I mean, just see what – what Marco Scudero did for us, you know, it, it, he was bit, you know, batting 265 with the Rockies at the time of the trade, but he was a high contact guy, and he, you know, changed our lineup around. You got guys like Angel Pagan, who people really didn't think too much of, um, you know, and all of a sudden he ends up, you know, hitting 290, you know, right about 290, 300 for us. Um, you know, those those were the key moves. We didn't go out and, and acquire a big thumper and, and get it done. So it's not always. Um, you know, the guy who's going to trot around the bases. You know, it's it's right. contact rates and, and guys who can kind of do the little things. Well, I think I think both you you and I are going to have good baseball seasons this year. So I'm I'm looking forward to spring training coming up. So, but uh, with that being said, we're going to take a little break right now. We're going to come back and we come when we come back, we are going to hit upon the NFL. We're going to talk about the 49ers. We're going to talk about my Broncos, and we'll just take it from there. So we'll be back on Hard Hitting Radio. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond listen for the comeback radio show with tony farmer a lot of people believe what they read on the internet hear and see in the media and on the news we're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype it's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done, and Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. 
If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. You're listening to Hard Hitting Radio with Mark McMillan and Byron Evans. To get your voice in on the discussion, call right now, toll free to 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can get to Mark by email. Drop an email to Mark at MarkMcMillanSports.com. Now, back to Hard Hitting Radio. And we are back with Hard Hitting Radio. Today you got Jay and Gabe in the studio. We were just talking a little bit of World Series action. We're actually going to keep keep the topic on San Francisco right now. I'm probably making all the Arizona people mad right now. <laughs> <laughs> but let's 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 switch it up to the 49ers. Um, how do you feel about Colin Kaepernick? I love him. Um, I it's if any you know any of my friends are, are out there listening they know how how I feel about Alex Smith. Um, it's been a very frustrating six seven years with him. Um, I I actually am impressed with the work that he's done over the last two years with his limited talent. I think he's a very good number two quarterback in the NFL. Um, if you're talking playoff teams, but he he doesn't have the the tools uh, to be the quarterback of a championship team. And few quarterbacks um, with the limited talent can win a Super Bowl. Yeah, Trent Dilfer did it with the Ravens um, behind that monster defense. Um, but when it's all said and done, uh, we all always remember the quarterback in the Super Bowl, and, and he's just not a very memorable quarterback. He's, he's limited in the arm strength. He makes great decisions. He's very safe and sound, um, but he's just limited. He, he Rarely do you see him push the ball uh, you know, eight yards in the air behind, beyond the line of scrimmage. Um, so I really think he limits your offense. Uh, after watching Colin play in, in, uh, in that Bears game, um, it was pretty special. I mean, just the, the difference in arm strength, the fact that it opens up the playbook uh, and, you know, being able to throw the 10-yard the out and, you know, the, uh, you know, just the go route, you know, being able to hit a receiver 20, 30 yards down the field um, and then you add his, his athleticism, the way he runs the ball and the way he can kind of scramble around the pocket. Uh, you have to like uh, the ability that he brings to the table. Uh, we have seen some, some questionable decision-making, but he's young, um, and, and I'm hoping over the next four weeks that he kind of uh, gets more comfortable back there, figures a few things out, and he's ready to go for the playoffs. Um, is Alex a safer bet? Yes, uh, but Colin has the, uh, the higher upside. You know, and Absolutely. And I, I think you can also say that Michael Crabtree is very happy that Colin is back there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone is. Vernon Davis is everybody. Um, and, and, you know, and, and if you keep Alex Smith back there, a quarterback, uh, you've got the, uh, the Giants who have the recipe on how to beat us. They beat us last year. 
you know, by playing everybody, you know, within, you know, eight yards of the line of scrimmage. Um, and then they beat us again in the regular season. They know how to do it. And so now teams are going to focus in on exactly how the Giants did it. And, and so we'd have a ceiling with Alex Smith on just how far we could go. So I, I, I like the fact that that Colin, um, you know, makes you prepare for him a little more. Well, you know, the thing that I, I see from it is now they're going to have those called quarterback run plays. And that's sure. one less run play that Frank Gore is going to get beat up on. Oh, and absolutely, it, it, absolutely. It, 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 I mean, you have to take pressure. into the fact that, that Kendall Hunter is, is nicked up too, you know, so he's normally a guy who would kind of come in and be able to give, you know, Frank Gore a little bit of a breather, but he's not exactly 100% either. Um, so he, he definitely adds just those those extra dimensions to your offense, and, and he kind of takes a little pressure off Gore and, and uh, you know, and some of the other guys. Nice. Well, and he he can get away, you know, if that line does break down, which it doesn't very often because they have a they have a very good line there, but it adds an extra element that you have to worry about him getting out of the pocket. Yeah, well, and absolutely, he's, and he's shown and it. He's, he's shown the fact that he can make plays. With his absolutely, play. he's deceptively fast. He is. Oh, he is. You know, long strides. Uh, you, you know, he ran that that pistol offense um, at Nevada to. To a T, it's really where that pistol really started. Um, yeah. And now you see it, you know, you see elements of it with the Redskins. You see it all across college football. Um, that's pretty much where, where it started off in Nevada, and, and he just runs it perfectly. I mean, I, I like what I'm seeing from them. You know, yeah, they lost to the, to the Rams last week, and, you know, I don't think – it was funny because there was no panic button set off in San Francisco. When they lost to the Rams, you know, so you guys are 0-1 and 1 against the Rams. Nobody's panicking now that Colin is back there. I think there might have been a little bit of panic if Alex was back there. Absolutely, absolutely, because you see the ceiling. You know, you you go well. This is you know, Alex is always a, a sound decision maker, and we're still getting beat. You know, if Alex doesn't make any mistakes um, as far as turning the ball over, and you still lose, you go well. Well, crud, this is this is what our ceiling is. We're be, we're a beatable team. Colin goes out there, you know, he makes a few mistakes. The game's still close. You go, well, you know what? As soon as he gets comfortable and he figures a few things out, his ceiling is much much higher. So you don't you don't panic as much. There's there's still room for him to grow. And that takes me to my next thing: is last year I was in that spot. I was in that spot to where the ceiling was low. You you always were on edge during every game, and now the difference between last year and this year for the Denver Broncos. Oh gosh, it, it, it's not even night and day. Like there's not even a description to put it. <laughs> you know, I mean, finally all the Tim Tebow people are quiet. There's oh, nothing for them to say, and even the people in Denver that were there were there were people that are upset that they got rid of Tim Tebow for Peyton Manning. Oh, that's now, nuts. if you let that sentence sink in, <laughs> it, 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 it sounds really crazy, and we, honest, we obviously know that they're smoking a lot up in Denver. But now, everybody gets it. They just understand. right now are showing everybody just how bad Tim Tebow is because Mark Sanchez is playing horrendously, and they still refuse to play the guy. Absolutely. And this rib injury that he has, oh, let me tell okay. you something. I don't think it's that bad of a rib injury. If no. he's even still hurting, yeah, no, that that, that that's not a legitimate uh, reason why he's not playing. 
That's and about just as everybody quiet and force everybody to say, well, Steve-O's not an option today. Titus Young is going to have knee surgery. <laughs> That's right. how legitimate that was. But I'll tell you what, I think at the end of the season, they're going to end up releasing him. They will. I, I mean, it, it, he has, in no way has he been worth, um, you know, just all the attention and, and the chaos that he brings. Two fourth-round draft picks they gave up for him. And here's my thing. Realistically, if he gets released, who is actually going to sign him as a quarterback on their roster? The only team that would make any sense is Jacksonville. But even then, at the same point, I can see them not wanting to have anything to do with it either, though. Seriously. You know, and to be honest, as crazy as this this sentence is about to sound, I think that they're looking at Chad Henney right now as the guy they're going into 2013 with. They just might have. The new owner. They've got a lot of holes, and and they cannot waste another first round draft pick on a quarterback. No, they can't. You know, they're they're going to have to wait another year or two, see if if Gabbard can can develop in the off season, and if not, you got Henny to to kind of hold the reins, and hopefully Henny can pull in Alex Smith and and just be a consistent guy who can not lose you games instead of looking well, for that to win you games. To that offense, which is tough without MJD. You know, and you know, but I just I can't I can't see Jacksonville even wanting to deal with it. You know, I I I. I've actually been impressed with Peyton Manning this year. I personally thought coming into the year, I looked at the schedule, 9-7, and 10-6 if we pulled off an upset somewhere. And then after we came back from the bye and you have the New Orleans game and the comeback from San Diego, even in that game, I sat there down 24 to nothing, and I wasn't worried. I was not worried, and you sit there with a guy like Peyton Manning, and going back to what you were talking about, you always worried with Alex Smith, you know, are you going to win the game? With Peyton yeah, Manning no, back there, you don't well, worry about anything. The way, I mean, Peyton immediately, he was, he was winning the, the games early in the season, not in, in the most attractive fashion, but he was getting it done, and then somehow, some point in midseason, um, he really got his arm back. You know, started getting some yeah. zip back on the balls, and all of a sudden now you're seeing him absolutely take off and be a terror. I mean, well, it, I'll tell you what, when we hit that five week, it, I believe it was week five, or I, I'm, you know, I can't remember what week it was. That's when I said this defense is going to pull it together, and Peyton Manning is going to take these two weeks. Nobody's getting any time off. Nobody's taking any vacation, and they're going to get this offense together. And that's exactly what they did. And I'm looking at a Denver Bronco team, and yes, I might be biased. I'm looking at a Denver Bronco team that could possibly have the offensive MVP, the defensive MVP, and comeback player of the year. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been really impressive. And um, I'm not a huge Broncos fan, but it's been fun to watch. And especially they've been doing it um, – with not the most consistent running game either. I mean, McGahee no. is who he is at this point in, in stage in his career. Then they throw no Sean Moreno in this, you know, uh, yesterday, and, and he looked pretty darn good. And, and so they're they're putting the pieces together in their running game. It's really just been Peyton in that passing game. And I think that's a testament to what Peyton Manning is. And 
look at what he turned Joseph Adai into and, you know, all those other running backs. And, you know, maybe those guys weren't as good without Peyton Manning. He just changes his offense up so much that it opens more avenues for those running backs. He puts linebackers and safeties on their heels. They're afraid to get on their toes and come forward because they're, they're afraid to get beat. You know, I'm, I'm, I've obviously watched the Broncos my whole entire life, and the way they are playing right now is reminding me, minus the Terrell Davis part, of how they played in those two years that they won the Super Bowls. Sure, sure. Very consistent, not a lot of mistakes, very methodical. There, there's not a lot of excitement in Peyton Manning. It's methodical. No, it is. It's 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 the right thing, the right dunk. It's the right you know uh, eight yard out. It's you know it's it's finding the holes in the zone. It, it, Peyton's not airing the ball out thirty forty yards down the field. Yep. You know he's he's not Robert Griffith. He's you know he's not doing that. Um, he just he's he knows the defense better than the defense knows the defense, and he's just yeah, finding all the absolutely. holes. Absolutely. And if you look at a lot of the long passes that he's gotten, just if you see him just by yardage, you're like, oh, okay, well, he's airing it out a little bit. A lot of those are you're catching a Demarius Thomas or an Eric Decker on a slant or something, and there's a lot of yards after catch. Oh, yeah, it's, it's all yak. It's all, it's all yards after the catch. You know, and, it, and what that then does, what that offense does, is it, it takes so much pressure off that defense that you can see everybody thought the defense was good last year, but watching it every week like I did, I knew they weren't that good because they were always on their heels. They always felt like they had to carry the game. Right. They don't do that this year. Doomerville, Von Miller, Champ Bailey, all those, it is a different defense. And when you have a quarterback that gives your defense that much confidence, man, it, it changes the whole ball game. And then you've got a guy like Von Miller out there who – I can't even think of anybody aside from possibly Derek Thomas that I can compare this guy to. Sure. He, I mean, he's been an absolute beast, and, and a lot of people thought he was a good player coming out of the draft. No one no one knew that he'd have this type of impact. I mean, he, I was just going to say that. I knew he was a one man freak coming out, and I knew he was good, but I never thought – I mean, you just – it's funny because I'll sit there, and when Denver's on defense, I will find myself. I don't even watch the play. I watch what Vaughn's doing. And sure. 75% of the pass plays that are out there, if he doesn't get to the quarterback, he's a half a step or a step away. And that's got to just cause quarterbacks nightmares when they're watching the film. And, and you hate to compare anyone to Lawrence Taylor just because he was such a phenomenon. We're getting pretty darn close to, to a guy who makes that much of an impact. Yeah, I mean, it's just, the best way that I can describe him is he causes such a ruckus. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it, it, it helps out Doomerville so much, and, you know, it's, 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 it's fun to watch, you know. Uh, speaking of fun to watch, RG3, Andrew Luck. They've been awesome. Throw Russell Wilson in there, too. I mean, let, let's get Russell Wilson his due. You know, all three of those guys have been just really fun to watch. It's really going to be interesting this week to watch Baltimore try and deal with RG3, minus probably Suggs, minus 
Ray Lewis, minus Ladarius Webb, minus Jimmy Smith. Sure. This could get ugly. It, it very well could. I'm I'm completely impressed with Griffith. And, you know, mobile quarterbacks really don't do it for me. I, I don't think as highly um, of them. I, I think it, it's a little, it gets a little gimmicky. Um, but he, he's a pass-first guy. I mean, he's a Yeah, he is. He really, really is. He ends up taking some hits because um, he sits in there a little bit too long sometimes. Um, you know, but he, he's he's a pass-first guy, and, and he's got a cannon, and he makes some, some very good decisions. He's very accurate. I've, I've been extremely impressed with the guy. You know, they're, he seems to be getting a lot of the talk for Rookie of the Year on offense. And granted, definitely he should he should be up there. I lean a little bit towards Andrew Luck, and for the sure. reason of stats seem to be a little bit better, but not so much that. But him taking a one win team, yes, and turning them into a team that's that they're a wild card playoff team. I I was about to to make that same point. Both guys have have carried their team. Both guys have looked phenomenal. Both guys look like they're going to be. Um, you know, perennial all pros um, and then some. Uh, but what Andrew Luck is doing with the Colts, with what, what are the Colts with an average NFL quarterback right now? They're they're a three team win or, or yeah. three win team out there, and he's got them in playoff contention right now. Uh, it, it's it's amazing what he's done, and he he's a lot of fun to watch, and he's he's the combination of the arm and the head. Um, he's fantastic. And, you know, the surprising thing about him is to where you get your surprise a little bit that RG3, he's a throw-first guy because a lot of people don't think he is. A lot of people don't realize that Andrew Luck, that dude's got some wheels. You know, he, does. he, he can run if he needs to. Well, he, and he showed that at, at Stanford. You know, he, he had multiple times where, where he, you know, um, pulled off some deep runs, and, and but he runs hard. Watch out for that. That guy lowers his shoulder on the linebackers. He's um, just as big as Cam Newton. He is. He absolutely is. You know, and, and he runs like it. You know, you know he, the one thing that I wonder, because this is essentially, minus Jeff Saturday, minus Dallas Clark, Jason Tammy, and Pierre Garçon, you know, this is the same team as last year, because they, they spread the ball out to everybody. And I, I'm sitting here wondering – Okay, Andrew Luck's doing a great job there. But this is basically the same team as last year. This is, kind of tells you how bad Curtis Painter and the rest of that crew was. Sure. It's the same team, and you've got a rookie leading them, and they're in the wild card as of right now. Look at, uh, look at what he's done for Donnie Avery. Donnie oh, Avery absolutely. was number three, number four receiver in the league going, you know, before this season. You know, maybe a number four on teams just trying to hang on in the NFL – all of a sudden, you know, every week he's nine catches, 120 yards with, with luck. And he's bringing a guy that nobody's heard of, T.Y. Hilton, into every week conversation. Absolutely. At least in the fantasy football world, you know. <laughs> Which, of course, is the most important world out there. Oh, by the way, speaking yes, of fantasy football, yes. we tied last week. We tied? We tied. It was 108.1 to 108.1. You and I tied? We tied last week. But it didn't matter because I was out of the playoffs in that league. 
<laughs> and I barely snuck in. And I you got in, in and early, in, and, and you are in. I'm barely in, though. That's all right. All you need to do is be in and get hot. Absolutely. That, that's all. That's all. That's all you need to do. For I think right now what we're going to we do talk on, on draft day. <laughs> I mean, you know what? On draft day, I'll tell you what. I thought I had the team. Of course, I really, we all, really. We did. always feel that way. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know that's what? I, you good. know what? I sit back and I look at right now. I went on a horrible losing streak. You know where, where I, I went wrong on one draft pick? Which one? For some reason, when it was, and we were like in the eighth round or something like that, and I was looking, maybe even the tenth round, I was looking for my backup quarterback, and Matt Schaub was there, and I'm like, wow, that's a really good backup quarterback. So I drafted him. And then it came to 6 fours pick, and guess who we, who we drafted for him? That's when we drafted RG3 for him. <laughs> my season would have went totally different if I would have just trusted drafting the rookie. But that's always – I mean, you can never see a rookie quarterback coming. I mean, even – Not like that. Not like that. You know? You know, I, I kind of I wonder – you know, you had Cam Newton last year, and you see him digress this year. And then you look at Cam, and you look at RG3. I don't see those guys going backwards like Cam did this year. This year, no, it, it, Cam. Cam, if you had looked at Cam's numbers, you could have seen that Cam, uh, his struggles for this year were coming. His second half of his rookie season was not very good, and, and the big games that he had um, were due to a couple really big plays, right? You know, Eighty-yard passes that you know that turned you know average 220-yard passing games into 300-yard passing games, and all of a sudden everybody talks up. But it's just yards after catch, you know, and, and some luck. And he threw a lot of balls just up into the air that his receivers went up and made plays. That wasn't him being accurate and being a great playmaker. It was him getting kind of lucky. And then right, you know, right. he caught up. He struggled in the second half. And here we are now where he's having a disappointing season. He hasn't and, made the adjustment. And he's not handling he it very well. He made the adjustment on him, and he didn't make the adjustment to them. No, not at all. And you guys – you got Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin, who I don't know how – I'm not quite off the top of my head how, sure how many wins Carolina has this year. But you're looking at Andrew Luck with more wins in 75% of the season than Cam Newton has in two. Sure. I mean, Carolina is at three wins this year. They're three and nine. That's not any better than they were last year. No, and, and Indy's eight and four right now and only getting better. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the wild card is theirs to lose. And I, they're actually they're actually kind of fun to watch. Because I remember, here's the funny thing. When Peyton was with Indianapolis, man, they were boring. Now I get the boring team. Sure. It, it, but it, I don't it, care. It, I'll take the boring team when we have 10 wins after 13 games. Sure. Again, it's, it's, it's Duncan and the Spurs. It's just methodical and boring, but it works. It you know works. what, though? When Elway won those two Super Bowls, Aside from Terrell Davis, he was kind of boring. You yeah, know, it even though Elway's got the cannon, he became a very, very good quarterback when he got smart with the ball. He wasn't trying to, you know, thread every year. He wasn't, he wasn't trying, trying to be trying the gunslinger. ball 30 yards on, on every throw. You know, he figured out how to read defenses, and that's when he became a great, great quarterback. Yeah, and it's, it's – 
it's it's there's there's some similarities between now and then. Just I think the old, really the only difference is the the running game. Sure. You know, and I think I think that's one of the areas that Denver is actually going to. Don't be surprised, and I you probably won't be surprised. You're you're well up on everything, but I have a feeling that they trade for D'Angelo Williams in the offseason, or Carolina's just going to flat out cut him. I, I think and, they just cut him. I don't think they have to make the trade. That's both their running backs in Carolina has been such a disappointment. Well, you know, and now you know Jonathan Smith's dealing with the high ankle sprain, and you know, but I I think I think that D'Angelo Williams ends up in Denver next year. John Fox knows exactly how to use it. And he's still young. It's not like he's an old running back. True. Very true. He's probably, what, about 27, 28? Yeah, I was going to say, he's got to be like 26, 27, 18, you know, 28 years old, you know, right around there. Absolutely. And I think they pull in one more good offensive lineman, whether it's the draft or um, free agency. And then I think what really sets that offense off, I love Eric Decker. He's done a great job doing what he does, but he's not a real number two receiver. He's a number three receiver, and I think they need to go out and put somebody good on the other side of Demarius Thomas and move Decker back to the three. And I think that, man, I think next year you're going to see a huge change in that offense, a little bit more open, a little bit better. That's what I see them doing. Absolutely. I I agree. I agree. And And I I think what they need is they need a speedster. Yeah, they, they really do. They need somebody who can stretch the field. I was speaking with somebody that works in the Denver Bronco organization that is a former Sun Devil, and he uh, was digging a little bit, digging a little bit. You know, I think that Mike Wallace is somebody that they want to talk to. And with him having the year that he's having this year, his stock, he can't ask for what he was asking for before. Oh, no chance. No chance. You know? I, mean, so, I think it'll be an interesting offseason for Denver, and I don't even know what you guys need. I mean, you guys are are there. Oh, I mean, we can we can shore up uh, the interior line. Receiver. Uh, you know, we can make ourselves better in a couple different spots, but there's no immediate rush for us to to really do anything. You know, we can we can improve the secondary a little bit at the corner spot, but there's no there's no huge holes for us. If Colin no, not at all. develops, continues to develop, we really don't have any holes. We have spots where, where we can improve slightly, but there's no holes. You know who I think would be a good for, fit for them a little bit? Get one of those big-bodied wide receivers, and I think he needs to get out of where he's at. A guy like Dwayne Bowe, having Colin Kaepernick. Oh, absolutely. Him. He's got to get out of KC. He's got nobody throwing him the ball, and now he's going to have to deal with another rookie quarterback next year. Yeah, Exactly. So, you know, but I, I think, I think it's hopefully, maybe someday we'll be able to watch the Super Bowl together as enemies. It would be nice. would be nice. I welcome it. As long as I'm in the damn Super Bowl, you know, that's priority number one. Yeah, exactly. Get, getting there is the first chore. You know, and everybody always talks to me, oh, you must, the, the Broncos, Super Bowl this, Super Bowl that, and I'm like, ah, ah, ah. No, I don't even talk about that. I just want to get to the playoffs. There's still <laughs> there's still a New England Patriots team that beat us. There's still a Houston Texans team that beat us. There's still a Baltimore Ravens team that we have to play that are standing in our way on top of the teams that are going to get the wild card. Right. You know? So 
I'm just, you know me. I talk a lot of smack, but when it comes to my team, I'm very superstitious, and I keep my mouth shut. Oh, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I, I, you know, I'll talk about how I like my chances, but come, uh, you know, come the week, uh, there's business to be done. There's, there's no talk. You know, you yeah, don't absolutely. talk to be done. Absolutely. What's uh, sticking on football? What do you, uh, what do you think about the national championship game? Oh, Alabama's going to blow race them by twenty. You think by oh, it's going to be such a boring game. This Notre Dame team got away with, with the uh, most overrated schedule in the country. They did right. not have one impressive victory. I still think that the Oregon team is the second-best team in the nation. I, I agree completely. I agree completely. You know, and hats off to Stanford and, and Shaw for yep. – you know, putting together a masterful program uh, or uh, game plan, game plan uh, against them and, and having their defense step up and shut them down, hats off to them. But I, I don't care. Oregon is still the second-best team in the country. That I, I still feel, powerful. and I said this at the beginning of the season, I still think with that team speed that Oregon has, they had a shot to beat Bama. I, I agree. know Mac well, doesn't I want to hear that. That ends up being you know, a, a 35-31 type game or even, you know, 42-38. You know, it, it's one of those shootouts. Yeah. It would have been a much more fun game to watch than what we're going to see. Oh, absolutely. And Oregon's defense is, is very underrated. Um, yep. And people don't take into account that, uh, that Alabama's offense um, – plays it safe. They know that their defense uh, isn't going to give up much, so they don't take many risks. They've got a great O-line. They've got great, great running game, but they've never been the type of team to, that really, you know, throws the ball around unless they have Julio Jones out there, which they don't this year. Right. Um, you know, and, and so that offense can be easily shut down. And now you're asking your defense to shut down an unstoppable force like the Oregon offense, and, and, and Alabama would have its hands full. I, I've been watching college football a long time, and I've seen the Hurricanes teams. I've seen the LSU teams. I've seen Florida teams. I don't know if I have ever seen an NCAA team with as much team speed that's on this Oregon team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's just impressive. As much as I hate to uh, to give Oregon props being an SEC. Right, right. I mean, my hat's off to, to what – Chip Kelly's done over there as far as just team speed. It, it, you know, the, the Pete Carroll era, when, when we were at our highest, that's what everybody talked about. They talked about SC just running circles on people and play, yeah. the way they just played fast. And that's what Oregon does. Where do you think Chip Kelly ends up? Oh, hopefully or in the NFL. Do you think he stays? Oh, I, I think he goes to the NFL. I think the money is going to be too much to say no to. Somebody will go out and offer him five years 35, five years 40. In Oregon, as much money as, as Phil Knight might have, as much money as their boosters might have, don't have enough to cover that. Right, and I think he's got to take this shot, but, and I have to be honest, I think he's just another Steve Spurrier waiting to happen because I don't think he has that NFL mindset. I agree. I agree, you know? but he's got to find that out. And, and you know what? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Even if he fails... He comes back to the NFL, and he makes just as money as he's making now. 
Oh, yeah. If he, if he goes and he fails, there's somebody out there that is going to be ready to hire Chip Kelly. His college brand will not suffer one bit from it. So he's, you got to strike, uh, you know, while the NFL's calling because he goes back and, and has, you know, one tough season and Lord forbid two. All of a sudden, the, that NFL opportunity is long gone. He's, he's got to go after it right now. He's really I agree. Got to go and, and, see, I and I hope that he does this. because I hate seeing, seeing him in Eugene. <laughs> You know, we talked about this in your office for for uh, a minute. I, I could see Chip Kelly staying on the West Coast and going down to San Diego. I can very well see it, too. You know, I know Andy Reid's name is being brought up in that, but oh, I'm not so sure gosh. that Andy Reid... Why, why are you recycling? Why, why are we recycling the same garbage? You know, I, th- I think you've got to give it... If you're going to make a change in that organization, because Norv's gone and the GM is gone, yeah, and they, they are both gone. They were, they, reports are coming out that, that they're both gone at the end of the season. You have for, to as, for as great as Andy Reese has been, the last two years have been miserable. Terrible. And I don't know how you can sell to your people, hey, we're making a change, but we're bringing in this coach that had all that talent and couldn't win. Yeah, no, absolutely. And granted, they, they've dealt with a lot of injuries, and that O-line this yep. year is terrible. Um, but, you know, say what you want about Philly. Uh, through their high years, they're always, you know, very strong defensively. And after yes. uh, Mr. Johnson passed away, I yes. believe it was two seasons ago, um, Andy Reid's been a little bit lost without him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, think that, I think that San Diego would be wise just to stay away from that. And if you're going to make a change, make a big change. Absolutely. I the agree. only other person that if, I, if I'm out there and I'm trying to get is John Gruden. Yeah, no. I mean, Gruden is, is the safest bet in in all of football, college or NFL. You get Gruden, you've got one hell of a coach on your hands. I'll tell you what. If the Cowboys win out, because I think that they're going to fire Jason Garrett no matter what happens at the end of the season. I agree. I think that the Dallas Cowboys are a perfect spot for John Gruden to take a team that that's that's that talented. I could see him putting them in the Super Bowl in the first year. If. Rudin and Jerry Jones can coexist. Right, exactly. Because Jason Garrett's gone no matter what. They're going to – Jerry Jones loves Tony Romo. He's going to sign him to an extension. Sure. And, and which is – I think my personal opinion, Tony Romo gets way more crap than he deserves. He's had two bad games all year. I agree. I agree. And, you know, and I think sometimes he just gets put in bad positions. But uh, Jason Garrett You know, and I think that some of that responsibility has to come down on one of his receivers that needs to learn how to completely focus in Des Bryant. Sure, sure. And I but think it, and, you're actually and, finally and, starting to see some of that focus from Des Bryant. And I know it's, it's cliche because he was a cowboy and he was number 88. But he reminds me of Michael Irvin. Oh, yeah. I mean, the talent-wise, absolutely, and, and, and off the field-wise, probably even worse. You, know, hey, you never questioned, for as much as Michael Irvin was distracted off the field, you never questioned his intensity and his desire on it. And absolutely not. Uh, I think I hear the music in the background. Do you hear that, Gabe? I do. Well, we are going to come to an end of this hard-hitting radio. Uh, Mark McMillan shall be back soon. If not, you're going to get Jay and Gabe again. You're listening to Hard Hitting Radio on voiceamerica.com.
some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. That's another show. Thanks again for joining Mark McMillan and Byron Evans for Hard Hitting Radio. Come back and we'll do it again next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Put them up, tighten up. We some hard hitters. Mark McMillan, my man Byron Evans. We give you for reason to tune in every Friday evening. Ain't nobody leaving. If you sports your feelings, we're bringing the cutting edge. When it's four season, feelings are long. Show them how it's done. We're on VoiceAmericaSports.com.